Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. It is the dead of night in New Orleans, Louisiana. The sun is away and the creatures of the night have surfaced to make the city their plaything. Among these denizens of the dark is a handsome vampire Lestat, out for a night on the town looking for a new inspiration for his music. This leads him to the roof of an abandoned building that overlooks the city. Stopping to gaze out, Lestat pauses, for he can hear someone coming up the stairwell. Someone big. Then, bursting through the door, the massive Frankencastle makes himself known. Yeah, I'm here to kill vampires, and you're a vampire, so you know how this is gonna go. Frank states as he raises his weapon and starts blazing away. It's the Brat Prince versus the reassembled Merc. It's Lion Court versus Castiglione. It's the Vampire Lestat versus Frankencastle. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Ray Stacanus. Shocktober continues with our third episode that ranks as one of our most out-of-the-box matches ever in the history of Who Would Win. In one corner, you have Frankencastle, the Frankenstein version of the Punisher, I guess, versus the Vampire Lestat, quite possibly the most iconic iconic and popular character ever created by author Anne Rice. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this matchup has been discussed, and yeah, no, I didn't. Not gonna do it. Just refuse. I refuse to do the Google, the Who Would Win Google patented Google test. My words are getting all screwed up because I don't want to live in a world, a universe, where this matchup has been discussed even one time before. I just refuse to believe that's a thing. So I'm telling you, Legion of Audience, yet again, the Who Would Win production team is bringing you a premier, never-before-discussed matchup in geek culture history. You're welcome. Ray, gotta know this. What are your thoughts on today's matchup? 
I'm always uh, thrilled to do these matchups. And what I'm really excited about is we, we on Monday, we did the uh, announcement of this particular matchup. And I was a little bit surprised to see the overwhelming excitement and positive response that the people had out there. You know, we're presenting Frankencastle, a version of The Punisher that uh, a lot of people, uh, myself included up until about a year ago, did not know existed versus the Vampire Lestat interview with the vampire. That's now a TV show. I haven't seen it yet. I'm obviously not using that version of the character. Spoiler (laughs) alert. And that's also a popular property. You never know how these matches are going to go over, but this one went over hugely positive, and I'm always excited to see people sort of get behind what we're doing. Like, we're doing a thing here. Get on board. If you don't understand it, let us present it to you anyway, right? And this is our take for for Shocktober, of course, on Frankenstein versus Dracula, a very common thing in old, you know, universal monster movies, a very popular trope as far as these two characters go. So we found one version of quote-unquote Dracula, one version of quote-unquote Frankenstein that fits in with what we do here this thing's gonna be a real banger i think you know if there's one thing we do well is think outside of the box and i am hard pressed to think of any of the matchups we've done before maybe you know twilight sparkle versus lobo but that doesn't even kind of come close to matching what we're doing for for this matchup for shocktober right you know there's something else i gotta talk to you about because uh, you know the past yeah. few episodes have been kind of a little tricky we had a great decision last week the past few i don't know Here's the here's the thing. Typically, yeah. our judges, you know, they do a fantastic job, and whether or not I get the win, as long as the judge uses logic, some sound reasoning, I'm actually okay with the loss, as rare as those might be. But what happens when a judge makes a decision that makes no sense? Like, what happens when a judge makes a decision that isn't based on the arguments? What happens when a judge makes a truly horrible, nonsensical decision for the matchup? What's the fallout for that? I definitely have seen some things. I've got some observations. Ray, what do you think happens to the judge in these situations online, in their personal lives? What's the fallout from this? Well, the ultimate fallout of the judge making the wrong decision is you win the battle, James. Let's just go ahead and start there. There have been a lot of sketchy decisions, even here in season four, that you have come out on top of Shrek versus the nemesis, I could say, for example. And there are countless other ones that have happened this season that... Uh, Nobody knows. People online get very, very upset. People take these battles seriously, and sometimes when the judge feels like they sort of give a flippant, non-thought-through answer... It, it makes the people feel uh, unrewarded. It makes people, uh, you know, feel let down at the end of the day because they take these battles seriously. Shouldn't the people on the show take it equally as seriously? I say yes, and someday we're going to figure out that metric and get perfect decisions every time. I've tried doing it through public shaming, and I'd like to say it might someday work. It might work. Look, here's the deal. The Who Would Win show is constantly evolving. We're always trying to do better. We take notes. We have these meetings saying, okay, what worked, what didn't work. These meetings. Oh, my gosh. These You guys at home, y'all think we don't have these ridiculously long meetings about every <laughs> nuance of the show constantly. I'm frankly sick of them. I, I want to have a bunch of bangers in a row, have everybody be very excited about it, and, and me win like 22 in a row. That's what's finally going to get this show on track, I think. And that, that, that's one possibility. Here's the thing. We, we, Ray and I actually were on the same side of this. We pleaded with the Hoover production team to only bring in judges that have a, a track record of making great decisions that we both agree with, despite 
one of us losing, we're both going to be like, okay, but that judge really did a great job. Thank and you. I'm so happy to say that this week they did the complete opposite. What? Ray, get ready for this. Making another appearance. I can't believe he's making another appearance on the Hood Win Show. It's writer, producer, and actor. It's Ray Sikane's favorite judge of all time, all the way back from season one. Coming back today, it's Mitchell Baldwin. Mitchell, welcome back to Who Would Win. Oh, gentlemen. Uh, I've never felt uh, so much love from a podcast than this one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, and, if I, uh, and if I played a uh, drinking game uh, where Ray uh, yells my name uh, in anger, I, I, I would be hammered right now. I'm not going to lie. That would be uh, – that's how that would go. Uh, all right. So listen, before we get into the obvious, you know – Talking points here. Michelle, please tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, what you've been up to. Currently, I am in Atlanta, and I'm working on a new stage show. Uh, it is a Top Gun parody called Trope Gun. Um, so we're hoping to debut that next year. I've got a couple pilots under my belt. Um, and then, yeah, produced a little thing, a uh, short film that's been kind of making some rounds as well. So bouncing Very around. Okay, can that's I, very can, cool. I, can I say right now, Mitch is uh, he's 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 not he's he's hiding the lead right here because I was watching one of my favorite television programs of all time, and who do I see but Mitchell Baldwin on it? Yes, I am referring, of course, to Supermarket Sweep. <laughs> yes, I've never uh. been more excited in my entire life to see you on that show. And I mean that as completely unironically as possible. I literally leapt off the couch and shouted, pointing like that Leonardo DiCaprio meme uh, when I saw you on screen. Oh, I love it. Uh, it was kind of like living a childhood dream, but not going to yeah. lie. Uh, and also, I have never been so winded in my entire life. Because <laughs> it was you won. It happened during COVID. And obviously, you know, everyone's working out all the time and at the gym just 24-7. And then you're just thrown in with a cart and just told to just run and grab as many things as possible. You know, Mitch, so I was, awesome. I've seen you at the grocery store. This is exactly what you do every week. <laughs> this is, like, not new for you. Just running around, grabbing yeah. stuff, knocking other contestants on their ass because you needed the stuff they were going. I mean, this was a show totally meant for you. Now, listen, we got to pivot. We have to pivot, Mitch. Here's the deal. The controversy. Let's get serious for a minute now. Yeah. Yeah. Controversy yeah. around your first episode. Enough it was King, mirth, James. King Kong versus our Lord and Savior Megatron. Ray repping Megatron. Me repping King Kong. Really, I was even going for Megatron this, but I, you know, had to come out with what I thought were good arguments. And you somehow gave the loss to Megatron. And then the the lore has it, the legend of who would win has it, that you texted Ray sometime soon after the show and said, you know what? I think I made the wrong decision, and Ray has been touting that ever since. Can you set the record straight? What did you say to Ray in text after you were on the show? Uh, in text? I mean, Ray and I messaged each other, and Ray uh, gave me the fantastic job. Hope to see you again soon. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, would inherently uh, mean two years later. Uh, on this that was podcast. definitely a sarcastic text, sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so okay, wait, wait. So, did he say what? What was the text in that, that he said? What was he word for word? What did he say uh, when you when he was saying like you said you? Hey, I made the wrong call here. What did Ray respond with? I don't have the. <laughs> I did not, I wait did not a message, second. I did not message Ray that there was the wrong call. Straight what? forward. What? Ray Stacanus. 
I've heard that this Listen, has been a talking point on this show. Heavens to Murgatroyd. What is happening, Ray Sicanus? What kind of nonsense is this, Ray? You want me to go back and try to find my messages from three plus years ago at this point? Look, I'm a very busy person with lots of text chains, lots of popular <laughs> messaging apps. You want me to go back and try to find word for word? Look, I know what happened. Even if I can't prove it, that's why you should vote for me. Oh so. my goodness, race to Canis. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what is up, what is down. I have no idea where my head's at. All right. Well, listen, we we have Mitch Baldwin back after two over two years, and it's time for some redemption. This Mitch, this is almost like your redemption match, if it you feels will. Like it. Right. And I think uh, I I'm not gonna I can't be any happier with this. This is gonna be fantastic. All right, with all that being said, it is time for us to get things started. Ray, go ahead and announce today's matchup. Representing horror fiction, the vampire who showed that even though they drink blood, they don't have to suck, the vampire Lestat. And representing Marvel Comics, the vigilante who has a lot in common with Patsy Cline, since they both fall to pieces, Frankencastle. Really? Well done, Ray. Before we go any further, let's go over the it's official rules. It's a Patsy Klein reference. You're welcome. <laughs> Before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who would win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the who would win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, I'm really interested in this. What version of the vampire Lestat will, it be, will you be using in today's battle? I'm going to be using the novelization book version. We don't use a lot of book versions on this show. I'm using the book version of Lestat because that's the one that Anne Rice had the most control over, and he is, by and large, her favorite character of all time. Fantastic. Look, I, as far as I can tell, there's only one real version of Frankencastle, and that's in uh, the Marvel 616 universe for that one beautiful year he existed. All right, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but would be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes, and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Hoodwin store to get your very own Hoodwin merchandise and accessories. Go to hoodwinstore.com to get your hands on some Hoodwin merch right now as you're listening to the episode, because that's the right thing to do. In this life, it pays to zig when everyone else is zagging. Movement saw a stagnant marketplace for watches and accessories and changed it with their unbelievable prices on some pretty classy stuff. You know by now I love my Astro Blue watch. I wear it when I want to look good. When we do live Who Would Win shows again in 2023, I guarantee I will be wearing my Astro Blue watch. And you know what time of year it is. Get something classy for your loved ones and don't break your bank to do it. Be the good gifter with movement. During their seasonal sale, get a special discount just in time for the holidays. Join the movement today at MVMT.com. That's MVMT.com. Join the movement. 
I'm Felicia Day, and I'm the host of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast. In every episode, I'm going backstage for an all-access look at what it took to bring Middle-earth to life. I'll even have the first full breakdown of the incredible season finale with the series showrunners, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay. I will be sharing juicy behind-the-scenes stories and processing all the holy crap moments with the members of the cast and crew. Numenor has got to be the most amazing thing ever, and we wanted it to just be the greatest kingdom of men that ever existed. The elves are arrogant and vain. They're not beyond being corrupted. Can, can I just say, watching Owen Arthur eat in his full regalia is the most hilarious thing. So if you want to deep dive into every episode, watch The Rings of Power on Prime Video and listen to all eight episodes of the official The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power podcast for free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app now. Need to supercharge your hiring? You need a super hiring partner. You need Indeed. I've been a fan of Indeed.com for a long time and been singing their praises for even longer. You know, one of the things I love about Indeed is that not only can you find a great job on Indeed.com, start there, great place to look, but if you're hiring, you can invite candidates, right? Candidates you invite to apply are three times more likely to apply for your job than candidates who just kind of see it in a random search. That's according to US Indeed data. It's like you invite somebody and they feel welcome to your party, right? They're more likely to want to work for you or at least check out what this job's all about. And we'll get you one step closer to that hire by immediately matching you with quality candidates with Indeed. Indeed's gonna do the hard work for you. It shows you the candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your description immediately after you post. You're going to find the people. They're going to put them right in front of you so you can hire even faster. And these are quality candidates. These are people who already meet your minimum expectations right off the top at the beginning. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash WWW. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash WWW. Indeed.com slash WWW. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for the vampire Lestat. Lestat de Lioncourt is a vampire anti-hero and the main character of the Vampire Chronicles. He was created by Anne Rice and first appeared in the book Interview with the Vampire in 1976. Lestat, as a mortal, he wanted to be an actor uh, in the 1700s, I believe, but his father and family forbid it going so far as to track him down to another town and force him to come home when he tried to pursue his dreams by going with a traveling actor company. But dreams do not stay dead forever, and the French aristocrat found himself in the world of performers eventually. This put him in contact with the vampire Magnus, who kidnapped and observed him before deciding that he was worthy of the gift of eternal life. As a vampire, Lestat is flashy, brazen, powerful, and living his best on life. Fun fact. Now, we all know how great Tom Cruise was as Lestat in the film adaptation of this novel. But did you know that author Anne Rice was demonstrably against him being cast in the role in the first place? It is true. Rice has admitted coming to grips with the fact that the movie was not totally under her control anymore when Tom Cruise was cast and she just had to learn to live with it. She even encouraged Cruise and Brad Pitt to switch roles at one point. But considering how great he was in the part and the fact that the other actors considered were uh, other actors considered for Lestat, you got John Malkovich, Peter Weller, a.k.a. Robocop. Jeremy Irons from the Dungeons and Dragons movie, and my favorite, the one who was originally pegged when they first started talking about making the movie in the 70s, John Travolta. John Travolta as the vampire Lestat. Imagine that. Rice, however, to her credit, could see good work in front of her, though, and after the film released, and it was a hit, she bought a two-page air in both Vanity Fair and the New York Times to call Tom Cruise's performance a masterpiece, perhaps her way of saying, I was wrong, you were right, great job, Tom Cruise, so it all worked out. That is Lestat. You know, I'm wondering uh, if John Travolta would have been a, a perfect fit if he was channeling uh, Vinnie Barbarino. From Welcome oh, yeah. Back, Cotter. Well, that's all I can picture. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, what do you do? I mean, I just, I don't know. I just think that's interesting. Hey, uh, and- I made this five-year-old kid a vampire. Hey. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's a different movie if John Travolta's playing the role. That's all I'm trying to say. Slightly. It's been a laugh track. <laughs> All right, well done right now. Here are the details for Frank and Castle. Frank Castle, a.k.a. The Punisher, first appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man number 129 back in February of 1974 and was created by Jerry Conway, John Romita Sr., and Ross Andrew. After his death at the hands of 
Dakin. I'm going to call him Dakin, not Dakin. I think it's Dakin. I believe uh, it. That, I believe it's Dakin. That's what I got. Dakin. Out of it. Yeah. Oh, perfect. At the, after his hand, after his death at the hands of Dakin, Wolverine's son, the Punisher was resurrected by Morbius, the living vampire, and the Legion of Monsters as a patchwork Frankenstein-type creature to help them against a group of killer super soldier-type samurais led by the zombie and a steampunk mech known as Robert Hellsgard, who killed monsters for quote unquote not being of God. At first, Frank refused to help them. However, after the soldiers attacked the monster's hideout, Frank decided to join them. After an extremely violent battle against Hellsgard, he would eventually take his revenge against Dakin and come this close to killing him, but was interrupted by Wolverine. Eventually, he was transformed back into a normal human through the use of the Bloodstone, because cool things in comics can never last. That's what I got out of it. And here's an interesting fact about the Punisher. Did you know that the Punisher once teamed up with the one and only Eminem? It's true. In another very strange Punisher storyline, Marvel Comics tried to cross over with the music industry and had Frank Castle teaming up with rap star Eminem because that makes sense. Punisher showed up and executed Eminem's bodyguards, which does make sense, which sent the rapper into hiding where he found one of Punisher's deadliest enemies, a character named as Bar known as Barracuda. Eminem then worked with Barracuda to take out Punisher before the rapper realized it was all a setup because Barracuda was actually hired to kill Eminem. Eminem then teamed with the Punisher, where they then defeated the villainous Barracuda, because, again, that's what happens in comics. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Mitchell, do you have any questions before we get started? No, no. Uh, it seems like a pretty level playing field for both, so I'm excited to see what arguments we have. All right, there you have it. So let's do this. Ray, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Lestat. Let's just talk a little bit about basic vampire powers because the, what do we know about Frankencastle? You know, he's a he's a misshapen, put together with the power of the Bloodstone. Uh, he's a giant hulking, a brutish menace. But the vampire Lestat does a lot of the same things like Frankencastle does, except he does it bigger and with more flair, quite honestly. He's extremely strong. I would say he's at least as strong as Frankencastle, probably much stronger. He doesn't have, say, Superman-level feats or anything crazy. He's not going to be towing the earth by a chain or anything, but I think it's very appropriate to say his strength level is roughly that of Spider-Man, who's much, much stronger than an average man. He's got super heroic strength, more so, you know, Captain America, Spider-Man, they all have this above human possibility of strength. The stat can grab somebody and just break their arm just by holding it if he wants to. At one point, he picked up a lady of the night by one hand and cracked her neck with the same hand by just twisting his fingers slightly. He is a massively strong individual and somebody that could stand toe-to-toe -to -toe with Frankencastle uh, without, you know, necessarily losing the strength battle, which is not a ton of characters, quite honestly. He's also extremely fast, and this is a thing that Frankencastle does not have in his favor. Frankencastle is a lumbering figure who needs to think his way through the battle, and he needs to essentially take three punches to land one really heavy one. And I just don't know that Lestat's going to give him the opportunity to get that off because Lestat moves so much faster than virtually anybody else that Frankencastle fought in his comic books. Save Wolverine's very fast. Dakin's very fast. I would argue that Lestat's even faster. He's faster than the eye can see in battle, which means he appears as if he's basically teleporting. He's just moving so fast your eyes can't comprehend it. And the thing is, all the vampires at a pretty low power level in this world move that fast. Lestat moves that fast to other vampires who are moving that fast. That's a ridiculous level of speed that fr poor Frank is just not ready to see. 
Additionally, vampire powers. He can see in the dark. So if this becomes a case of the entire lights going out, I don't think Frankencastle can see in the dark. Not that he'd be completely like unusable there, but Lestat would have an advantage. And the other big thing that Lestat has are these mind powers. Really basic mind powers he has in his basic vampiric form. And that's he could use his mind as a telepathy. He could read the minds of other people around him. He can dig deep and see what's sort of going on inside there, figure out weaknesses, and he can figure out a course of action through using his telepathy mind reading. It's very hard to sneak up on him. There have been characters in the Anne Rice vampire universe who could like read the minds of everybody in the city simultaneously. And Lestat might not be on that level, but he's on enough to make sure that Frankie Castle's never going to get the jump on him. If Frankie Castle was trying to plan something and set him up, I do believe Lestat would know ahead of time through the use of mind reading and not let it happen. And the other thing, he could transfix people by just staring them in the eye and cause them to essentially go into a trance and collapse on the floor. If he stares down Frankencastle, there's a chance because there is a human element inside this character that he's going to be able to transfix him, you know, basically work him like a puppet and get him to do whatever the heck he wants to do, including walk off the battlefield on his own or just drop unconscious for two minutes and stay down so Lestat can get this win. So at the end of the day, I think the vampire powers are just going to be more than a Frankenstein power can deal with, and that's my point number one. Okay, this is a... I actually think you did a great job with your point number one because the vampire Lestat's got a lot of the vampiric powers, but actually kind of magnified. One of the great things I love about this character as well. But here's the thing. The vampire Lestat hasn't ever fought someone with the total package of a Frank Castle, never mind Frankencastle. The telepathy that the vampire Lestat can use doesn't quite work on the undead. I remember when he churned some vampires, he could read their minds as humans, but the moment they became vampires, he couldn't read their thoughts anymore. I'm not sure if that's a vampiric thing or if that's an undead thing, but my point number one, I'll talk about why that also won't work on Frankencastle. But in terms of that gaze that Lestat has, which is really cool, how he lures someone in using his gaze, I remember the, a really great comic book series where the Punisher is fighting Ghost Rider, and the Ghost Rider uses his pen and stare, something that's taken down Galactus, and he stares at Frank Castle. And Frank Castle has such willpower, he's like, go for it, stares back at Ghost Rider, and Ghost Rider's like, I can't do anything. He doesn't feel any guilt. His mind is too powerful or just too, his will is too strong. Ghost Rider, with his pen and stare fueled by hell and the demons of hell, couldn't do anything to the Punisher. I don't think Lestat's going to have something more powerful than that. But let me get to my point number one, where I'm going to discuss about all of his powers, all this kind of good stuff. So point number one, let's talk about superpowers for a moment. Frankencastle, the, as the Punisher, as Frankencastle, has quite a few enhanced physical powers at his disposal. For example, he's got super strength. He's so strong that one kick takes out a creature called Man-Thing who has fought evenly with the Hulk before in Marvel Comics. He's almost like the uh, Swamp Thing equivalent in DC Comics. Maybe not as powerful as that, but still insanely powerful. He's so strong, Frankencastle actually was able to strangle with his hands and take out Morbius, the living vampire, a powerful vampiric creature within Marvel Universe itself. He's strong enough to easily run through entire buildings made up of several walls of concrete and steel doors. Uh, at one point, he picked up a person and used them as a club because he's like, why not? Cool improvised weapon right here. He's also got super speed, which is kind of interesting. He's a huge lumbering, you think lumbering kind of creature, but he moves at super speed. He can chop a samurai soldier in half with the sword so fast that the samurai doesn't even realize it actually happened until he kind of splits apart. When in a fight with Dakin, again, the son of Wolverine, who has similar powers, Frankencastle was so fast 
pass that as Dakin was lunging at him at super speed, he was able to grab a chainsaw behind him and cut into Dakin with it, into the soft and sidey parts, not the adamantium, all that kind of good stuff. He's also got super durability. He can take falls from insane heights, hit the ground, get up unharmed. He tanked Deadpool's flamethrower right to the face, was completely unaffected. That's something that Vampire the Stat can't do. And the only thing electric attacks do to Frankencastle is actually power him up even further. Very, very cool. Which reminds me, Frank Castle can get supercharged and become even more powerful with electricity. I don't know how that's going to play into this, but that's just a fun thing. He's got super reflexes and reaction times. He can dodge bullets. He can make samurai warriors miss him with their sword at close range. His pain tolerance is now also superhuman. Getting cut into by Deadpool while he's using two swords didn't make him flinch. Getting stabbed by Wolverine's claws, not an issue. Falling through dozens of floors of a building under construction, destroying everything on the way down, and then getting impaled on some girders on the ground. He tanks that easily. He's got super stamina because after killing opponents for an hour, I just love this character, after killing opponents for an hour, he smiles and realizes that he's finally feeling like his old human self as Frankencastle because he's been killing insane creatures, super powerful creatures for an hour straight, and he's still good to go. And finally, because his mind, as he calls it, has been, in again, in his words, rewired, his mind can't be read, it can't be controlled or attacked. We saw this powerful mutant telepath named Lady Gorgon, who's really great with her telepathy, tried to invade his mind and kind of take control over it, and she couldn't do it. She tried super hard, and he's just looking at her going like, yeah, my mind's been rewired, good luck with that, nothing's gonna happen. Look, give Batman enhanced physicals and mental shields, and the villains of Gotham run for a very hard time. Give those same powers to the Punisher in the form of Frankencastle, and Vegas odds are 10 to 1 that villains and anyone who kills the innocent won't be making it out alive. Oh, fun fact, Lestat has killed the innocent before. That puts him in the crosshairs of the Punisher as Frankencastle. All that together is my point number one. Interesting. No, look, for the record, I officially love the character of Frankie Castle as well. It is well established the Punisher is one of my favorite characters. It hurts me to have to do this to you today, James. You like to say <laughs> that a lot. I truly do feel this today. I, I read through all of, I, I've, been, I've owned the trade paperback of Frankie Castle for a long time, and only this week have I chosen to finally read it because I'm also very, very lazy. Now, the things I want to talk about here is he did defeat Morbius. Uh, in this, this is a very weak form of Morbius. Uh, this is not Morbius at the height of his powers. This is an underpowered Morbius when he defeated him. And Morbius also did not want to fight. He wanted to talk to Frank. Uh, and I believe the mind powers would work under certain circumstances because you're right. Uh, Lestat can read the minds of humans when he turns them into vampires. He's no longer able to read their minds but that's other vampires. That, not, that doesn't refer to necessarily all undead. We don't really have a clear example of a non-vampire, him not being able to read their minds. So that's a little bit of theory crafting. But the big thing about Frank is he has to take these pills and he has to take them often because he's slowly losing his mind to a bestial nature inside this Frankencastle body. Morbius slips him a bunch of pills and he says, in order to be Frank Castle and not a lumbering, angry behemoth, you need to take these pills and Frank doesn't like taking them. He only takes them when he's about to slip down into insanity and in the height of battle, that seems like it works faster. The more he uses his powers, that's how it felt reading it at least. So I would argue that he might not be able to uh, read his mind when he's off the pills and not himself, but definitely when he takes the pills and he's lucid, I think I think Lestat can get in there. When he's off the pills, he can get in. The, okay, just sorry, horrible when joke. he's on the pills, I think he can get in there. Yeah. Uh, all right. Mitch, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at so far with this battle? I mean, uh, we're looking at it, and everything's going pretty well on both sides. I mean, you're looking at uh, – you've got strength. I, I will say, James, that was that was 
pretty much uh, that was a pretty big pull to try to talk about the electricity charge up because uh, where's he going to go plug in at? I'm, I'm not sure where it's, that's happening. But on the other end of it, Ray, you brought in the trance and it's like, I, I don't think he's going to be able to make him use his trance at least to bring him in. I think that's more of like a, a sexy vampire thing on that end. So, but both brought up good points uh, and both are in the running. So. I like it. You know, it's one It's one thing that's uh, maybe our, our listeners don't know about the Punisher. He's not a fan and easily taken in by the sexy vampire type. Just putting that I, out there. I was unaware of that. Really? Yeah. No, that's the thing. That's the thing. I am, but not the Punisher. All right. <laughs> Ray, it seems like we're both doing well with this battle so far, so let's see what happens next. Go ahead and hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Lestat. Let's talk about some of the things he's done. Let's talk about some of the more powerful things he's done. I just want to talk more about Lestat. And and, and quite honestly, you know, I don't want to talk about those pills again because I think that got passed over a little bit. Frank needs these pills to stay lucid. When he takes the pills, he can now do planning, set traps, do X, Y, and Z. But as soon as, you know, he needs these pills again, whether he has them or not or wants to take them, he does sort of lose his Frank Castle edge and starts becoming kind of a mindless killing machine who can be easily worked around and manipulated and and hit because he's not thinking three steps down the road. He's only thinking about the step in front of him. And I do think when you take away that aspect of the Punisher, you definitely hurt his ability to win these types of battles. Now, Lestat, first off, he's rich. Magnus was his sire. He had lived for, I believe, 300 at least years. And then he decided to make Lestat his one vampire progeny. And in, in this particular world, because he'd only done it the one time and he was very old, Lestat started very, very powerful compared to any other vampires of his age, right? But not just that, Magnus allegedly killed himself right afterwards, leaving Lestat his vast fortune, which means that he's rich, which means that he's coming, he's going to come armed with the best thing he could possibly have at any given moment, which means that he has the comforts and the training that he would need from being rich for centuries. Whereas Frankie Castle lives essentially in the sewers and he's with makeshift, you know, thrown away car parts you got to see at the end of the day, there, there, there's a little bit of a difference between the makeup of these two characters. Now, the other thing Lestat had to do was teach himself pretty much everything about being a vampire, which means he's resourceful. Frankencastle, you know, he tried living his old life and it wasn't going very well for him. And he didn't even want to help the monsters who saved his life until he saw suffering around him and he got his mind changed. But Lestat's resourceful, which means that he's in a moment, he's going to be able to look at the world around him and take advantage of everything that he sees. Because at the beginning of his life, he had to figure it out from square one without basically any help at all from his sire. As a vampire, that often just gets you killed. Not in his case. But the big thing that the stats going to have over Frankie Castle is a massive healing factor. This is a Deadpool slash level of healing factor or Wolverine. You know, the guy who defeated Frankencastle, Dakin, the guy who defeated Frankencastle, they all did it through healing factor because Frank can only take so much damage, even in this enhanced form before his legs just stop working. As he says in the comic, uh, this leg ca can carry weight. At least we can move with it. And then he gets jumped by Dak and he gets the crap beaten out of him because he can barely move in his lumbering form. However, Lestat, if you were to stab Lestat through the hand with a knife, that wound would heal around the knife before you had a chance to pull it out, creating a second new wound, which would also almost immediately heal. Frankencastle can't take damage like that. You know, uh, times that Lestat should have died. He was attempted murder by his friends uh, who slit his throat, killed him allegedly, and threw him into the swamp. 
and he survived that. Then when he met up with those same friends later, they set him on fire, engulfed in flames, set the entire flat he was in on fire. And then they left him for dead. He survived that despite being a vampire. He once, he got shoved from the high window of a tower onto the ground below, survived that. This is the whole point. You can't kill Lestat. And when he gets the worst kind of injuries, he will take a little bit long. But these superficial wounds that Frankie Castle is going to put on him, he's going to heal from those almost immediately and keep fighting. And Frankie Castle is going to wear down, wear down, and wear down. And finally bringing up a thing, he defeated a vampire named Armand who was much, much centuries older than he was in a one-on-one battle uh, after he had been abducted by Satanists. Great story. He defeated him and Armand couldn't understand it. It's because he has that elder vampire blood in him. It didn't matter that Armand was supposed to be so much more powerful. Lestat just gets it done. At the end of the day, Lestat wins these fights and Frankie Castle doesn't have enough. And that's my point number two. So much to push back on on this. Okay, let's talk about that Armand fight. It was simply, you already said it, Armand just didn't come armed with the right type of blood. You know, uh, Vampire Lestat had it from his elder, kind of came into this, not even realizing he had it. It's kind of like, you know, my first fight in, you know, match, MMA match, whatever, and I see this crazy person coming in who had an undefeated record. I thought they were going to kill me, and I didn't realize I just had a way more ability. Crushed them very easily, very similar thing here. It's not about how tough Lestat is. Armand just didn't have enough of that first battle. All right, let's, let, me, let me push back on a couple of things. In terms of the pills and the bottles, listen, we both know that in a who would win match, we're both coming in with both of these fighters being at peak, having all the resources they need. They're fully ready to go. So the pill thing's not going to be a big deal. On top of that, how dare you bring up class and financial status in this? Listen, I don't have the resources Bill Gates does. I guarantee you, you and I, if if I get into a fight with Bill Gates, it's not going to go well for him, despite the billions of dollars he has. Same thing that's going to happen here. Wait, till he busts out the mech suit, James. Till the killer robots show up. Bill Gates is Dr. Doom for all we know. Does Bill Gates does not even have the upper body strength to operate a remote control for his TV? Never mind a full operational mech suit race to Canis. What are you talking about here? All right. I dare you. On top, not lying. On top of this, you know, when does Lestat get extensive, you know, combat training? That's not something he's gotten. There's no, uh, you know, checking out the books. And I was reading the summaries, kind of getting some few chapters here and there. You know what I never saw was this 80s style Rocky montage of Lestat training and, you know, punching dead cows and stuff in a freezer. That never happened. He doesn't have great combat training or experience. He's been in some fights, but that's just not Lestat. And finally... Lestat does not heal instantly from very big things. If there's, you know, he flies up into the sun, gets burnt, falls to the ground in the desert, digs a hole into the ground. He's there for years. That swamp incident that you mentioned where he gets set on fire or thrown in a swamp, what have you, it took him years to kind of heal back to full capacity and then come back. He does not have that Deadpool. I wish he did. to be a better character. He doesn't have that Deadpool Wolverine healing factor for the bigger things, which, by the way, is something that Frankencastle totally specializes in now. Point number two for me, let's talk about Frankencastle's weapons and fighting ability. Look, even though this version of the Punisher didn't last for more than a year because, you know, he became human again, blah, 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 he still got in a lot of battles and used some crazy, and I mean crazy, weaponry. So in terms of weapons, he has a large gun whose bullets, when they hit you, grow legs and burrow into the victim. This is really kind of crazy. It's kind of sick and it's disgusting. And if bullets can burrow into these supernatural beings and hurt them or Hellbrand or what have you, they're going to be able to do that to Vampire Lestat. And then when Vampire Lestat gets them, I'm not saying he's going to die permanently, but he's going to get the heck out of there 
find some place to heal, get someone to rip out those bullets, because that's what happens when he gets hurt badly. Let's see, he's also got a chain gun that can literally tear superhumans and supernatural beings apart. He's got a harpoon, because why not? That's something that uses to shoot down anything that flies around him. He's got two large pistols that also destroy supernatural beings, super soldiers, etc. He's got dual machetes, which are great for chopping up Nazi zombies. That's amazing. Uh, can chop up demons and any other undead or supernatural being that come comes at him. He's got a landmine that he can use anywhere at any time, and he's very creative with it. He's got dual machine guns because that's a thing. And he's got a sniper rifle because, remember, he's a master marksman. Now, all of these weapons are fantastic. He carries them with him all the time. He knows how to use them at an expert at a master type of level. He might as well be a master martial artist when it comes to firearms and combat type of weaponry because, again, it's still the Punisher. Look, he carries all this on all the time. He can use this, and he's super creative. Now, let's talk about Frankenstein's combat ability. This is where these two characters really start to separate. So Frankencastle retained all of his fighting ability, all of his training, all of his lethality, lethality is the right word, in his new and more powerful form. We saw that. Now, ask yourself this again. What if Batman had superpowers like Frankencastle? How would that change everything for him? And that's what you've got with Frankencastle. Every hit, every punch, all of his strikes, the Punisher strikes, are still deadly, well-timed, and technical. They're just way more powerful. He's just way more effective as a fighter. So what happens when you're facing off against one of the most well-trained, most disciplined characters in the Marvel Universe and give them superpowers and super weapons that can take out pretty much anything? We get Lestat in a body bag and quite possibly Disney Plus's newest, you know, hit TV show, as far as I can tell. All of that is my point number two. Uh, a few things I want to talk about here is that French nobility, because Lestat comes from French nobility and uh, French nobles were the ones who were called upon in times of war by the king to go lead the armies and go be inside the wars and go fight, which means that French nobility did get combat training, did get military training just by their nature because the, the king and whoever needed them to be the ones to go out and do the actual fighting. So you say, I don't know about him having combat training. He absolutely learned how to fight when he was much younger and was able to basically use those skills. Look how many fights he won against very powerful powerful vampires and other creatures, sometimes several at the same time. So I, I think that's just a very, very easy thing to push back on right there. The other thing is uh, Frankie Castle's uh, driven by something called the Bloodstone. And you haven't brought up the Bloodstone a whole lot. You might get into it in your point number three a little bit. But the thing about the Bloodstone is it's just an item. It can be taken from Frankie Castle. And if you take that Bloodstone away from him or cut it out of him or whoever the heck he's got it set up, you immediately weaken him and you immediately make him less of everything. And he's not going to be able to do the insane feats that he could possibly do. Lestat, through, I believe, reading his mind, would be able to learn about the Bloodstone, learn where it is, and then focus his attack there, ripping it out of him and easily winning this fight. That's interesting. I believe I already answered that point, but that's all good because we're now at the turning point. We're after hearing two points from both Ray and myself. Mitchell tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win. But before we get to what Mitchell has to say, let's celebrate the Hoodwin Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Hoodwin Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today's patron we're going to celebrate. Look, we got to go back to the one and only... Nathan Fair. Today, oh my gosh. Mr. Nathan, it can feel unfair, is back on the hot seat. The, Nathan's one of the most powerful beings in the universe, as He's far as I can tell. insanely powerful. Yeah. All right, let's go with someone with power and insane strategy who survived everything. How does Nathan Fair do against Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Ooh, very, very interesting. Now, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one thing that people would know 
is that Nathan does not play fair. Nathan will find any advantage in a combat, uh, regardless of what it is, to win these scenarios. And if you've watched any of these Buffy the Vampire Slayer episodes that I believe are on Netflix, Hulu, all these streaming sources, Buffy was originally one of those small box TV shows when it came out back when it came out. However, we've now expanded it for the new, you know, widescreen TVs. And one of the interesting things when you watch Buffy is that, and I caught it myself, I couldn't believe it. You can see things not meant to be on screen. Like I saw one scene where Buffy was fighting another person and they were both falling down a stairwell and you could see the actual steady cam uh, cameraman on the side following them down the stairs while they were fighting. And that's where Nathan Fair gets his advantage. Buffy's standing there saying, I'm going to take you out Nathan Fair he goes me and all my friends and all the off camera people you would have not seen in the original run of Buffy come rushing in with their cameras and boom mics and they just start pounding on Buffy the Vampire Slayer take her out of the battle she's not going to see it coming Nathan is up to his old tricks again Nathan Fair wins this battle imagine all those people who are in, in dressed in all green to blend in with the green screen Right? There's there, no way Buffy the Vampire Slayer would even see them coming. And there's like millions of them on set at any one time. Brilliant win for Nathan Fair. Well done, Race Canis. Remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash show and sign up. And you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, Mitchell, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? Uh, both, uh, both, both sides have made some excellent points here, uh, and both sides have uh, made some mistakes as well. James, on your end, you're looking at, you're like, okay, well, he's got some large guns, he's got all this stuff, he, he's got this, he's got this. I, I, I believe, you know, with those, all right, you're looking at a vampire, you're going to shoot a vampire, vampire's going to heal. I think any of those, those is going to happen. Even if it slows him down, it's he's still going to heal from it. Ray, on your end, you jump the gun with the pills. I, I don't know why I, the pills don't. The pills just gonna, are going to make him Hulk out. It's gonna it's gonna make it worse. And then I think you jump the gun with a bloodstone a little bit, uh, for a moment because we, we, there was has been no chat about it yet. So I, I think you were pre preemptively ready for it. But on the other end, I mean, you're correct. I, he, Lestat's been around for a long time. He's very resourceful. He's been around for for hundreds of years. He's telepathic, so I think he's, he is going to see those thoughts. Uh, he can see in the dark, and I think that speed is going to put uh, him ahead at the moment. All right, all right, okay. Even though, you know, Frankencastle's mind can't be read by a powerful telepath, uh, mutant telepath. I mean, according uh, to you, James, you haven't proven that. Yeah, yeah it was Lady Gorgon. It's actually a thing that happened in the comics, but, you know, I like to read. All right, Ray Sicanus, you're slightly ahead, but who knows what's about to happen. Go ahead and hit us for your point number three. Point number three, let's talk about what happens when Lestat gets power upgrades on top of his already ridiculous level of power because I think Frank Castle will try to shoot. And I do think that Lestat will be able to see it coming. He moves faster than the eye can see. He'll just dodge out of the way of all of these guns. Let's not forget, Frank Castle in all his forms, Frankencastle and otherwise, is at his best when he's playing defensive on his home turf. He's the best when he's allowed to have a bunch of traps. Remember, he wrecked Dakin, who was chasing him through the subway tunnels because he just had one trap after another after another set up that he kept leading Dakin through. But this is a neutral uh, location. This is a place where he does not have traps set up. This is a place where he does not have home field advantage. And Frank is just not the same character when he does not have the advantages of preparation ahead of time. But let's talk about that upgraded power because at one point... 
the stats started, look, it gets a little bit wild. It almost becomes one of these shonen animes like Dragon Ball Z that Lestat's power level keeps growing and growing as Anne Rice becomes more and more obsessed with how great this character is. It's been, he's been referred to as like a Michael Sue as opposed to like a Mary Sue in that, you know, he just keeps getting more powerful. Everybody seems to have every plot line around him. I'm not going to worry about that because I think he's a great character and I think these books are well written and I'm allowed to feel that way. Well, he got blood from a bunch of elders his sire magnus surprise he didn't actually kill himself magnus marius and akasha or akasha uh, these are three elder vampires he was able to get their blood he, uh, among others a lot of elder vampires and when a vampire drinks the blood of their elders in every vampiric thing i've ever seen their personal power level goes up and it goes through the roof. And suddenly he found himself will, able and willing to do more things than he was ever able to do before. For example, fly. Mitchell, you might want to take note of this. When one character can fly and the other character cannot fly, the flying character has an insane advantage over the non-flying character. Just saying it was a point of contention in a previous battle, I remember. He could also fly so fast that he could always avoid the sun. I, I couldn't believe this when I read it. He, he could fly through time zones faster than the sun could fill them. So, so he could just fly around the world. Now, I'm not talking about like light speed like the Flash, but when you can outrun time zones by flying, that's a pretty high level of speed. Imagine that coming crashing down on Frankencastle from behind when he's not looking. That would wreck him. That would do a ton of damage. He also has the powers of telekinesis, meaning much like force users. He can fling things around very, very heavy things things, forklifts, pick them up, throw them at Frankencastle, and he could do it from a distance in the sky where Frank can't get to him. He also has pyrokinesis, which means he can set things on fire with the power of his mind. He also has the power to walk around in daylight, and essentially it, he doesn't like it, but it essentially gives him a vampire tan, as they refer to it in the books, because when you become a powerful enough vampire, the sun becomes more of an irritant that you want to get away from, but it's not really going to bother you. You can still walk around and do whatever you need to do. And then on top of that, he ate the brain of Makare, I think is how you pronounce it, became the host of the Sacred Core. This is vampire. This would take way too long to explain. But essentially, by doing these two things, he became the third host of the Sacred Core in the novels, making him the most powerful vampire in the entire world. It would now take, it was basically became the Thanos of this world. It would take all the vampires together, teaming up to come and take him on, like, like the end of uh, Endgame, Avengers Endgame. That's the only way Lestat's going to be beat. And you're going to tell me Frankencastle is going to stand up to Thanos at the end of Endgame and have any answers for anything? I would argue that answer is no. He would not. Lestat wins this battle. The power-ups are just too much. And that's my point number three. This character has such an amazing fictional history. I mean, I love this character. I love Anne Rice's writing style. Uh, I love the power-ups. This all makes a lot of sense. And I just love how they they emphasize the significance of the power-ups. So I want to take nothing away from that. That's all really cool. In the end, however... We're talking about the Anne Rice universe, which is amazing, versus the Marvel universe. And what the Punisher, even as Frankencastle, with the mind of the Punisher, has faced off before versus what, you know, this powerful being is from the Anne Rice universe. They're just not the same levels. You know, in terms of taking punishment, the telekinesis is great. It's definitely going to be a factor. But again, 
you know, we're talking about bullets that can actually hurt beings. And again, Lestat can be hurt. He can get out of the way of things. He's super fast. But that's nothing that Frankencastle as a Punisher, at the very least, hasn't dealt with before. Again, this is someone who's taken fire, you know, uh, Deadpool's flamethrower to the face at point-blank range and was absolutely fine. Fire's not going to work that well. We're not talking about someone, you know, the human version of the Punisher. We're talking about the Frankencastle version who can take insane punishment and is super durable. All right. This was really, really cool. Well played. But I'm hoping my point number three is going to make sense. So point number three in this battle. Let's talk about Lestat's weaknesses, because he's got some. Frankencastle's big wins and how this fight will go down. So Lestat has some interesting weaknesses. You know, the first one, his healing factor is superhuman, but again, it does take him a long time to heal with something that's very, very severe. Even in this enhanced form, he can still be hurt severely. And if that happens, the, the MO is what? Get out of there, find a safe place to heal, come back years later, months later, whatever it is. Remember, time is on the side of the vampire, never mind the stat vampire is super powerful. And in this battle, all you have to do is get the win is have your opponent leave for two minutes because they're afraid of the damage they're taking on or they don't want to get hurt any further. That could definitely happen in this matchup. On top of that, Lestat is not a fighter, okay? His MO is what? Be the more powerful being. Surround yourself with more powerful beings with you as a gang. Then attack this being. Attack them while they're sleeping. Kind of talk to them. Allow yourself to get in close and kind of do something. This is not a trained combatant, no matter what Ray says. Is he dangerous? Sure. Can he be a vicious killer? Absolutely. But what is Lestat best at? What is what is what are his core competencies in all of this? It's the arts. It's his poetry and writing are insanely amazing. He's also a great musician. He's a really good singer. His acting is absolutely incredible when it comes to fighting. His martial arts, he's dangerous, but he's impulsive and instinctive. He's not trained. He's not an overall tactical thinker, which puts him at risk against the Punisher, who's trained and is one of the best tacticians and resourceful people in terms of battle strategy in the Marvel Universe. Remember, this again with Dakin, there's one point in this whole battle with Dakin and Frankencastle where Frank Castle's getting Frankencastle's getting hit by Dakin over and over. Dakin's getting more and more confident, and Frank Castle's like, cool, I finally lured him into where I want him by getting hit so much, building his confidence, lowering his guard, and taking out Dakin. That can happen with and finally, Lestat is arrogant and narcissistic, which just makes him love him that much more. He thinks he knows everything and doesn't think most threats are that big of a deal. He will completely underestimate Frankencastle just as he under underestimated a lot of opponents before. In a first encounter, he's going to quickly realize he's never faced off, really, against anyone like a Frankencastle. That person just doesn't exist within the Anne Rice universe. Hopefully they do someday. On a side note, wouldn't a vampire hunter be amazing in the Anne Rice universe? Just putting that out there, Anne Rice. So here's the deal. Again, getting hit, he's going to hurt. He's going to take have to go somewhere, take some months, years, whatever, to uh, come out, you know, heal from the damage, and then figure out his plan B and come back in, which, of course, will win. But again, in the first encounter, that's not something he's going to be ready for. Now, Frank Castle ha himself has some massive wins. He's from the Marvel Universe. That's something that's a lot more dangerous than the Anne Rice Universe. He's faced off against speedsters, even faced powerful vampires before. He's got experience with Blade, and I believe even Dracula. In the Marvel Universe, Lestat wouldn't be in the top 20 of the most powerful beings there, and the Punisher's taken on some of them and done quite well, because Let's not forget that one important fact, namely that Frankencastle is still the freaking Punisher in all of this. So, Punisher is beaten. Deadpool, Spider-Man, Wolverine, Dakin, Hell's Garden, armed with a bloodstone, and he has a win. This is my favorite, over a character named The Sentry. The Sentry is that Superman-type character, possibly even more powerful, who took on and had to kind of stalemate and defeat World War Hulk, the most powerful form of the Hulk, at least in my opinion. And on top of that, he even fought Ghost Rider to a draw as a human being. And what do you think that means now as a superhuman Frank Castle? Look, as powerful as the stat is, he's nowhere near the upper tier in the Marvel Universe, nor is he anywhere near the 
most powerful person the Punisher's beaten before. You don't think the Punisher couldn't take out Lestat even after he's already, you know, easily beaten Morbius, the living vampire, in a second? But here's the deal. Let's say the unthinkable happens. Let's say Lestat gets in close and actually bites and tries to churn Frankencastle. Remember, Frank Castle is someone he's never met before. I'm sure he's going to be very intrigued by this person and say, hey, I want to turn him and make him part of my group or what have you. He gets in close. He takes a bite, drinks whatever that blood is, and then what happens? Well, according to the Anne Rice universe, when a vampire drink, drinks the blood from the un, from the dead, even the recently dead, and the heart's not pumping, whatever, at the very least, it makes them really, really sick. At the very most, it makes it like poison. So even his most powerful version, Lestat's going to drink this, and it's going to affect him, make him sick, and that's the opportunity that the Frank Punisher, as Frankencastle, is going to need or have to take him out once and for all. That's how Frankencastle is going to win. That's how Lestat's going to lose. And that's my point number three. So much silliness with this. You notice how he takes, James has just taken Frankencastle, the character he's supposed to be repping, and then brought up all these alternate versions of the other Punishers and pretended like it's the same character. He did defeat Sentry in a one-shot, basically non-canon, fun comic called uh, Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe. Also not Frankencastle. It's a one-shot intended to be kind of for laughs and for fun, uh, and not to be taken seriously, that fight. And it wasn't even the same character. So what are we talking about? And also, I mean, yes, the tainted blood. If there is poison slash tainted blood and Lestat drinks it, he will be weakened. Where is that going to come up in this battle against the Punisher when they don't know each other ahead of time? I don't think he's going to try to drink the blood of the giant Frankenman. I don't see him even want, even finding that, uh, he'll find it distasteful is what I'm trying to say. There's no chance that he would do it. And you're going to argue that he doesn't have the pride to stick around if he takes a shot or two, but then you have your next breath say he's so arrogant he, he would never he would, what are we talking about right now you're talking about both ideas at the same time talking about alternate versions of the punisher and pretending it's the you do this all the time in the in the predator battle you pretended every single predator was the one predator that you were talking about it's nonsense mitch is gonna see through this he's gonna give these super powered lestat you're right he doesn't have to know how to fight as much when you can fly at the speed of time zones and you have the most powerful vampire in a world of vampires. That's a pretty big deal. At the end of the day, Lestat's going to be too much. I can't believe James never mentioned the Bloodstone. It's the one really wild thing about it. It's where Frankencastle gets his power from. Maybe he didn't bring it up because it is his weakness. If you rip the, blo the Bloodstone off of him, he then is essentially the magic is gone from his body. And he's not going to be able to take that level of punishment anymore. Lestat's going to read his mind. He's going to read his moves. He's going to take the Bloodstone. Frankie Castle kind of reverts back to being a misshapen man without any magical ability. And he's going to go down to a powerful character like Lestat. I love how Ray says that he's going to read his mind after it's already been proven it's not going to happen. But yeah, he's Never like, been oh, no, but he's going to read his mind. I'm telling you, well, all right, Mitchell, it's time for you to make a decision. You've heard three points for Ray, three points for myself. Take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Frankencastle and the vampire Lestat. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. They're both going to face each other. I think weapons are going to be used first. I, I think Frankencastle is going to just be shooting like crazy. I think that that's instantly going to bring Lestat up to another level because Lestat is going to see this as, as something that he's never faced before. So Lestat, Lestat's uh, immediately going to get hit. He's going to get knocked down. But he's a vampire. Yes, he will heal. He's going to bounce back up. Lestat heals 
bounces back up, realizes that this is something that he's never faced before. Lestat immediately, you know, they're both going for strength at this point. They're punching, they're doing each other. And then in a turn of events, Lestat just goes, this this is something totally different. He goes in and he bites, he bites Frankencastle. But there is no blood left in Frankencastle. Therefore, nothing happens with that. Lestat bounces back. He flies up. He starts using his telekinesis uh, and just tears Frankencastle to pieces. Lestat gets up with his vampire tan, leaves the leaves the battlefield, and Manphibian picks up Frankencastle and takes him to his lair. And I, I got to give it to Lestat on this one. Unbelievable. Oh. Actually, I kind of see your logic behind this. Listen, here's the deal. The Vampire Relief. Lestat is fantastic. Right? He did a great job of pre- representing how he continuously gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And Frankencastle, when you think about it, he had a one-year run in comic books. One True. year. There's how many books and amazing lore to this character. All I want to know is, did I rep Frankencastle well in your mind, Mitchell Baldwin? I mean, I thought it was good, yeah. I mean, but you are taking a character that is, like, literally pieced together. <laughs> so, and he only did have a short run, whereas, like, Lestat had, what, 400, 500 years? So yeah. To now, yeah, whatever it is. Slightly longer. Uh, he, had a, he also had a lot of powers. But, yeah, I mean, you came in good. Like, with the strength, the tolerance, the stamina. And, and why was it the Bloodstone used? I'm also confused with this. I'm not going to reveal why, but there is a very big weakness with the Bloodstone that could easily have been used by Lestat that would have turned this fight around within seconds. Are you talking about when Dakin has it and he starts? Yeah. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. All right. So, so yep. sometimes sometimes you could bring up something that's going to be like, be a think a power up for the character when in fact, and by the way, Ray Sicanus is wildly like this, can actually be used against them. And you're like, ah, so I took yeah, that off the field about it. This is why I brought, kept trying to bring it onto the table right. because when James is suspiciously silent about an essential part of a character, he's not doing that because he doesn't know. He's doing it because he doesn't <laughs> think it will help him. So I, it will be my job to drive that point a lot. Or even I was worse. ready for point number three three for it to, to pop up so right or even worse not will it not only help me it'll be used against me really well ray has done that before so you know you got to pick your battles with this one all right ray Sicanus, congratulations by the way this is three in a row this is uh, uh you know i'm getting a little nervous here tell the legion of audience how you feel right now this is this i told you coming into shocktober i would not lose a single battle after you snuck your way to victory with three in a row to end showdown september i said i'm going to redouble my efforts to be a full-on champion of shocktober and now three weeks into it, I have already done so. I am already the shocktober champion this year. I am already the shocktober champion of all time. And now the only thing that sits between me and greatness is a second run at four wins in a row, meaning I get to bring any champion, any character in the world that I want to onto the Who Would Win show, regardless of how unpopular they are, regardless of how nobody wants to hear about them. I get one for me if I win a fourth Shocktober battle in a row, and we all know I'm going to do it. Hey, Mish Baldwin, you've listened to the Hoodwin show quite a bit. Did yes, you sir. hear did you hear the episode of uh Jason versus Hellboy by any chance? I, I did. I did. Oh, really? I thought I thought there What'd were some holes. 
did you? Did you agree with the decision on that one? Oh, I'm sorry, Gina. I dis- I disagree with that. Oh, interesting. Uh, interesting. Uh, uh, but well, it's a good thing you weren't judging that one. But uh. on the other hand, I will say this. I uh, I also disagreed with uh, Mr. O'Connell's take on uh, Elsa from Frozen. So yeah, Ray, I'm giving that to you. There we go. Well, that, this is why uh, you'll never be coming back on the show ever again. Yeah, Mitch. Exactly. Uh, now, here's exactly. the thing. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm not. <laughs> Mitch Baldwin, you were a great judge today. Actually, today you were fantastic. Uh, I love the fact that you came in with a lot of knowledge of both characters, but didn't kind of try to tell or correct Ray or I on any of our facts. I think that's a sign of a, a great judge, a judge who's matured, if you will. Uh-huh. And uh, I actually do want you back for another episode. I don't care what Ray says about you. You're a good guy. Right. I'm just going to put that out there. <laughs> Go ahead and tell the Leisure of Audience where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mitchell Baldwin uh, with one L and uh, on Facebook for the same. So. Very cool. Ray Sicanus, congratulations. Tell the Leisure of Audience, Ray Sicanus, where they can find you. You know what they say about sour grapes, James? They're the sweetest. My point I'm trying to make with all of this is America loves a comeback story. America likes it when a scrappy underdog has made mistakes in the past and has learned, gotten better, a rocky training montage, if you will, and then comes back at the end to fully redeem themselves. In the case of one, Mitchell Baldwin, I would argue that I would watch a 17-hour-long training montage of him preparing to judge this battle And at the end of it, he just throws up both hands in Ray's victory. And he redeemed himself completely for any sins of the past that might have happened. I would make the argument right now. Mitchell Baldwin has turned it around and become one of the top five judges in who would win history as a result of this episode and this episode alone. We don't even count those earlier seasons anymore. We don't keep them in the record books. This show started in season two, as we all know. Mitch, you done good. No, you done great. And I appreciate you, sir. Please. Please bring that energy and come on back on the show again. This world needs you here with us. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. We're going to celebrate Victory Friday. We're going to celebrate Shocktober's victory after three weeks. A thing I think we all could have seen coming when we all saw the injustice of Elsa versus Sub-Zero in the previous Showdown September finale. And I'm going to savor this. I'm going to enjoy this. I'm going to cruise my way to victory on this one. You can find Ray's TED Talk uh, nowhere, actually. <laughs> this is uh, not going to go anywhere. All right, listen, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gads. You can also find me at the gym. You won't find Ray there. You'll find me working out like an absolute beast just because that's just what I do on a normal day-to-day basis. But, um, yeah, four in a row, Ray Sicanus, something I've never actually done on the show. Not going to happen. I guarantee it. With that being said. You know, I, I, I didn't even mention VampireDetroit.com, Reclaim Detroit, Vampire the Masquerade audio drama. How am I going to do? You didn't think I was going to do this whole episode and not plug it at least once. You'd be out of your mind. Go listen to Reclaim Detroit, a Vampire the Masquerade audio drama, a show that I wrote, produced, and I'm also a character in. Find it wherever you podcast. It's a great show.
That would be the only thing I agree with Ray on this entire episode. It is a great show. Go check it out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and type in at James Gavs. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show. Any part of our growing community, you can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Sup, everyone. Brian here, host of the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast. It's a trivia-style podcast focusing on TV and movies. Listen in for questions like, what's the name of Michael Scott's screenplay? What do you say to view the Marauder's map? What are Tony Stark's last words to Thanos in Avengers Endgame? And where does Ron Burgundy say he is when he calls the news station sobbing from a phone booth? I've covered The Office, Harry Potter, Marvel, Will Ferrell movies, Lord of the Rings, and more, with even more on the way. So play along to the TV and Movie Trivia Podcast anywhere you get podcasts, and stay tuned for more trivia! Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Okay, got to prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.